Hi, I'm Eddie. I run a comic shop and publish my own comic strip. And I'm Roger, and I run a comic shop and my very own Comic-Con. And I'm Joe, a lifelong fan who does all the real work to make our show go. Every week, we'll discuss the newest insider info that you won't get from your favorite comics and talk to some of our favorite creators and publishers. So come take a peek behind the counter with Tales from the Comic Shop, part of the Geek Nerd Network. Weekly on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Think of the children. Like the guy says, you're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna drop thunder. I'm paid to fool. This one, if he dies, he dies. Oh, oh, somebody please think of the children. I just want to say one thing to my wife who's home. I think you can kiss your trade franchise hey, goodbye. Yeah, totally. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, the movie podcast where we talk about movie franchises and what they mean. And here we are. Wow, our second to last Rocky Creed movie, the second to last movie in our second season. So bittersweet, but such a great movie. Uh, we've got most of our crew here uh, this week, including our returning special guest, Roy Fillmore. Yay! Yay! Thanks Yay, for having me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us, tell us what is coming up on yours, mine, and theirs. Oh well, yeah. Just this week, we're watching. Yeah, we're watching uh, Marie Livesey, I think is how you say her name. We're we're watching uh, the best years of our lives. We're watching the Goonies. We're watching the X Men, and uh, John Madsen hates one of those movies with a fiery passion. And, and it, is, it is not the first two. <laughs> no, no it, it is one of the first. Yeah, two. he loves it. He loves which the X Men, which is weird because that movie is terrible. Oh. It's it's so I I wish I'd known this about John because like I like I was in Provo when X Men came out and I like went to go see it by myself because I thought oh. oh I don't know anyone who wants to go see this stupid comic book movie except for me yeah he he oh, dressed as Magneto for like five Halloweens in a row <laughs> and and is probably dressed as Magneto right, right now, now. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me so happy uh yeah so uh, go go listen to that and then. And then you're maybe going to end up watching three different versions of Robin Hood movies. Definitely. So I, if I have my say, we'll watch all six. Um, but I, I uh, <laughs> Marie Marie Livesey is going to be the tiebreaker on whether we watch three or six, and I think she'll probably say three. Okay. Six okay. movies is a lot to ask in in a two week period. So the the good news is if you pick the Disney one, that one's pretty short. So yeah, I mean, know. the Errol Flynn ones are. I mean, very six long is only a lot if you have friends or partners <laughs> or a life. Six is only a lot if you watch Russell Crowe or um, Kevin Costner versions. The rest <laughs> well, are crisp. If we do watch six at some point, my kids are going to hear me say, "Shut up! Can't you see I'm watching Robin Hood for the fifth time?" <laughs> so uh in john's philosophy is obviously so if it were me like i know the three that i would want to watch and it one of them involves a kevin costner one of them involves a, a cartoons and one of them is probably involves errol flynn but i think john wants to watch three robin hood movies no one's ever seen before 
Mm. Uh, I I would I would go with you. I I'd go with the because I've seen the Errol Flynn one and it's it's interesting. It's from the fifties. It's great. Very uh, yeah. It's it's pretty well done for the fifties. It is. Although it might be fun to watch Russell Crowe and Taron Egerton Egerton because those both look really bad. Yeah, I'm scared of those. You are you are (laughs) correct in that they are. Anyway, for my other podcast, no celebrities are dying, which is pretty disappointing. No, that's okay. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, you know, the longer we have to wait, the better. Oh, but we should quickly plug your Star Trek podcast because Picard is on and Picard is amazing. We just released uh, uh, our first podcast for Picard, um, and the first episode was it, it, it was pretty good, right? I mean, they're just if they just bring back the next generation cast and have a fun time, then we'll be in good shape. If they turn it into a ten hour movie like the last two seasons of Picard, then it could be. They're could be. they're getting the band back together. I yeah. I kind of lost it when. Um, uh, and they released a promo picture on Twitter of Mika Burton standing <laughs> next to LeVar Burton. Yeah. Because I love LeVar Burton, but I love Mika Burton. <laughs> I worship at the altar of Mika Burton. I will well, watch anything she does. She's wonderful. <laughs> so, and ironically, she's not playing Jordy LaForge's daughter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's another actress playing Jordy LaForge's daughter. Yeah. So anyway, 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 go listen to Roy's podcast. They're wonderful. Um, hey, Brooke, you're here. Oh, hey. You're wonderful. Thank you for being here. Oh, uh, hey, JB, you're here. Hot take. I am really glad they're getting rid of Rocky and Creed 3. <laughs> Here's why. I've watched Creed 1 and Creed 2 and Creed 1 again. And these movies really are kind of about Rocky. And I'm excited mm-hmm. to see not Rocky if if it's like, do we get more of that character? Because I think in 2 they do a little better job. Yeah, But I would like a full movie of him and Bianca and, and the family and more Felicia Rashad. Anyway, my other hot so, take is uh, I have never punched Roy with a medicine ball, but next time I see him, <laughs> I'm going to put him in a tire and just let his abs have it. So there's my two hot takes. <laughs> well, what's interesting is Rocky one or Creed one wasn't written by Sylvester Stallone. And then Creed two, he co-writes it. Yes. Right. As far as yeah. how much Rocky's yep. involved. So the amount of Rocky involvement in Creed one is well, if you if you're disappointed in it, I guess you can blame Ryan Coogler. Yeah. So it's, it's an it's a trend. It's a natural transition, right? Um, at first, yeah, I, I think they went through it really nicely. Yeah, I agree. I I was I was worried about it at first, and then when I rewatched them, I went, "No, this is good." He have him move back with his son, right, and and live his life, and not. Yeah have to go out in the middle of the desert with great music and pummel someone with a medicine ball. That's all I'm saying. Re- recenter it on, as Brooke has rightfully pointed out many times, uh, the actual crux of this entire franchise right. is right. about Rocky and Adrian and their son. Although uh, the Netflix Rocky versus Rico is going to be really good when they revisit <laughs> for, for Roy. <laughs> well, so Andy, what I think I just heard you say is that, that we're going to discover in Creed 3 
not that we see him, but that they'll mention that Adrian had faked her death and she has reunited <laughs> with Rocky. In she was in the witness protection program the entire time. <laughs> in She's been in Vancouver, yeah. hiding from the Philadelphia mob. She she um, brought back secrets from Rocky Four, and they had to hide her. Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> yes. Uh, also, also uh, sneaking in uh, with with secrets from afar. Uh, in that corner, our returning champ, the Chicana Madonna herself, Melissa. Uh, welcome, welcome in, belatedly. You haven't missed anything. We were just talking about Roy's podcast. So, welcome. I have a hot take, too. Ooh, go for it. I agree with JB. What the oh, heck? stop. Yay. I'm, I'm done. So do I. <laughs> I'm going, I'm go- oh, I'm going on mute. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, my mic did not stop working right after. Well, you this, this, is where, this is where we have to <laughs> reboot everything. Yeah. <laughs> the, po- the podcast is over. Everybody just agrees. It's like, oh. I just think it's the perfect transition. It really is. It really is. Totally so can agree. I ask you guys something about this film? Yeah. There is a large section of this film that really slows down like Mm -hmm. no movie has done that since the original rocky which you could argue that the first half of the movie is pretty slow Mm -hmm. right but like i would say the entire second act of this movie almost has nothing to do with boxing and do you guys like that yes i felt like it was important yes oh i thought it was wonderful i i felt like like i liked it i thought that it was um when it comes to making that transition, especially when we get to that last line of Rocky, like looking him in the eyes and saying, it's your time now. Yeah. I think it was important to see all of that going back and rewatching it. Like there are a couple of times where I kind of skip over some of the dialogue. Um, but only today in getting ready to, to talk about it again, like the first time I rewatched it, I didn't do that, but just like, as a quick refresher today, there are a couple parts that I skipped through, but not because they weren't important or I didn't like or need them there. It was yeah. just like, um, but I, I do like it. I think that it, it leads up perfectly. Like we need to have that underlining of him the way that we did of Rocky in the first movie. Exactly. To want to go on this journey with him through the next five movies. Like it gives us that same that same attachment yeah. to Creed in a really beautiful way. So Michael B. Jordan has already said that Rock that Creed Four is written. All right. Good. He's written it. So I yeah. whether it goes forward, I'm sure it will, because this movie's gonna make a ton of money. But I will say, so there's some echoes from Rocky Two in this that yep. probably shouldn't have been too difficult to pass up. There's a medical emergency with someone he loves, right? Being his mm-hmm. daughter. Um, who has the hearing issue. And then there's also the moment where um, his wife, who maybe didn't fully support him during the first match. Uh, I mean, she, they come, he comes out and says that, right. Um, that, that, that uh, he didn't wait for the family to be on board, but then instead of her saying, win, win uh, Adonis, win, I think his line is I'll beat him. And her response, her win Rocky win line is you better. <laughs> You'd better. Yeah. Well, and I think it, it, it it's so interesting because it weaves in that and then it offers as a counterpoint and a counterbalance to that uh, the way that Drago's mom uh, like has abandoned him unless he wins. 
Oh. And and the the differences between Brigitte and Felicia Rashad and how they are supporting and interacting with their sons is like miles apart. And those two are just like putting on a clinic yeah. with with doing the most with not very much. It's wonderful. We got to talk about the dinner, the dinner party. The right? dinner but, but is so, my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. So real, real quick, though. I love though that they slow down and I love that Adonis has to spend some time and it feels like it's a lot of time because he's in danger of voiding the title. Yeah. Right. But he slows down and learns what it's like to, to be a father, to be responsible to other people, to care about other people. And he, he, you know, spends some time processing his anger and his frustration and his disappointment and, and everything that he's carrying around with him. And, and I think it, like you guys said, it's really important for us to watch him and for them to take the time right. to, to process all that. But then we get that dinner party where Ivan is, you know, it, it's embarrassing. It's humiliating, yeah. isn't it? I yeah. mean, and Brigitte shows up and she kisses her new husband in front of them. And it's just like, reminder, I'm too, I'm I'm better than you guys. Yep. Right. And 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 Victor calls it out and he says, why are we here? This is so stupid. These are the people who don't care about us, who left us. And and Ivan just kind of swallows his pride and, and and sort of and he goes back into the dinner party when Victor leaves, but oh my gosh that scene says so much about yeah. Ivan and Victor and what they've gone through after uh, after the Drago name was sullied post yeah. Rocky Four. Yep, and and I think it is a is a commentary in and of itself. Like you've said this before, Roy, about Creed Two giving us a little bit of sympathy for Drago. Just a little bit. Yeah. Well, like, I want to say... We don't actually feel sympathy for yeah, I don't think he's a villain. I mean, he 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 almost kills uh, Adonis, but he's not a villain. I mean, he, it, being a really good, strong fighter doesn't make him a bad guy. Maybe scowling right. makes him a villain, right? But mm-hmm. I don't see him as a villain at all. And, and then when we get to the final fight, which is an incredible... Such a good fight. fight. Such oh a gosh. fight. And then yeah. at the end of the fight, I'm so struck by how much heart that Victor Drago displays. Yeah. As yeah. he refuses to stay down and he just gets back up again and again and again. With he, some help from a very slow counting Russian. <laughs> <laughs> little little home cooking there on the counter. Yeah. But I mean, then it's so it's so crushing when he sees that his his mother has left. Yeah. Right. That she's just gone. She she won't even stay to support him towards the end of the match. And then I, I, the, the, this movie just ends so perfectly. And it's the only movie in which uh, a boxing match is ended um, by, uh, by someone calling, you know, stopping the fight, even though every single Rocky at some point, one of the trainers says I'm stopping the fight. <laughs> yeah. But, but Drago does because he loves his son more than he cares about um, the, the sport. Right. And, and, and it's just, and, the I love jog- it. and the jogging scene at the end is it cements that right i love that oh, scene love where it. they're running together and the son kind of looks at his dad trying to run next to him and gives that grin that's <laughs> that's one of my favorite parts too roy like oh. you said it's a it's a they didn't have to do it but to do that at the end yeah. just added that that great touch oh it's to great it. Yeah, it really this was I, this was I, also what i went back to watch like right before we started is right at the end of that fight 
there's a little bit of a mistranslation in. Oh, he, oh, I was waiting for the. Did you watch the Russian? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. First okay. of all, like, um, uh, the Russian in this movie is superb, absolutely nice. amazing. Except for one place I'll have in studio notes, which is really funny. But <laughs> um, at the end, uh, Ivan Drago is. It, it's subtitled saying, "It's okay. It's okay." The word he uses, harasho, actually means good, not just okay. Like, but like, that's, he's like, no. And it, it, he's, the, the way he's saying it is he's saying, you are good. Hmm. You did a good job. Uh, rather than like, just, it's okay that you lost. Right. Um, that's he's really providing cool. validation for his son that, he isn't going to leave him. He isn't going to toss him away just because he lost the match. That's unfortunate that they didn't translate it that way because one makes it feel like he's just placating him and like, like comforting, but also just like, so the other makes it feel very, very celebratory of him still. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't, I didn't, I don't speak Russian, but so the, it's okay. I still really like it because I I feel like it's Drago telling his son, like, like, you know, we're he's, gonna he's be affirming right, what's yeah. important, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter that that you that you lost the match. It doesn't matter. The things are going to be okay. And I like it's good better. It's good is better. Yeah. Um, but that moment where Drago, like Ivan's trying to comfort his son, and 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 Victor just keeps swatting his arm away because he's he's so um, ashamed of himself for losing, and he's so disappointed. And and but his father just just you know gives him the space he needs and then embraces him. And, and I love it. I love it. And, and I, we are going to see Victor in, in Creed three. Um, I, I think you catch him really quickly in the trailer and he's in the credits in IMDB. So I don't know what he's going to play, but, but I, I love Victor Drago. I maybe love he, love maybe he, needs, he needs another trainer. Yeah. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be great <laughs> if Victor ended up training? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it would be crazy. And also, like, I'm, I mean, um, this is, of course, where my mind goes. They make the, the, they point out several times in this movie that Drago is Ukrainian, not Russian. Yeah. And so I'm like, huh, I wonder what side of the border he's on with everything that's happened the last couple of years. And if that plays into everything, like, Maybe they're just in the U.S. full time now, and they're like, "Yeah, screw Russia. They're a corrupt society. Um, we're turning our back on them now." You know, that would be so interesting. Not also, that they have to do that, but yeah. you know, can I say one. the actor who plays Victor? That guy's enormous. <laughs> Holy cow, he's huge. Uh, I get beat up. I my my kidney uh, ruptures just looking at him in the ring. So yeah. Holy cow. I was looking at how large he was. Would they be in the same weight category? Yes, because once you hit heavyweight, there's no max. Okay. And actually, for that matter, Michael B. Jordan is, holy cow. <laughs> he's got he's got the Apollo Creed shoulders on on that he body. He's enormous. Oh yeah. You guys recognize Victor Drago from Andy from your Marvel fandom? Um who he played? Oh, he's um is is he the dude on the bus in Shang-Chi? Correct. He is yeah. Razor Fist. Yep. Yeah. 
yeah he's been in he's been in a couple pretty good movies um i think he he did uh he's gonna be krieg in borderlands oh that'll be interesting yeah and he was in he was in the chris pine movie the contractor that's where i also remember seeing him <laughs> i did not see that i don't know that movie yeah don't uh-huh. well don't worry about it but <laughs> yeah i well, just thought because i was actually watching shang chi the other day and um I was like, oh my gosh, what incredible timing. It's Creed 2. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's a good movie, by the way. I I really like John. To- very, I mean, I want to say it's underrated, but it's it's really well done. Anyway, um, but he's great in that one as well. So yeah. he, if he would have had the razor fist, though, Roy, I think he beats Creed. <laughs> I think so, yeah. probably. Forget the ribs. Yeah. But man, don't you love that at the end when Adonis gets off the floor with and basically he can't afford to take another shot to the ribs and then he just goes to town with just one arm. <laughs> wow. That wow. is just grit and determination and uh you know everything that you want in a sports movie. Yeah, well there's there's the moment where where the ref calls it because the t- towel's thrown in and he immediately falls to the ground cuz he can't even hold himself up anymore. Yeah. Right. Oh man. That yeah. that fight. That is I'm not going to tell you where it ranks in my fight ranks, but it's way up there. It's an incredible fight. It's really well done. And and it's like you said, Roy, the thing I like most about this movie is that they're both characters that you can root for in a, in that weird way, right? Like um, I would love Creed three to have a rematch for charity where they fight each other or something like that. And no one dies. Yeah. And, and he throws him out of the ring onto a bunch of children, <laughs> whatever thunder lips does to him. But no, it's, it is it's and Creed one sort of has that, but not as much as Creed two, where they make them both sympathetic characters, you know, that, that, that you want to root for. And they both exhibit great traits at the end. And I think that's pretty rare, to your point, Roy, in movies nowadays, where there has to be the clear-cut villain, you know, and and the the process of heroism, right? Right, yeah. Andy, like the Joseph Campbell. This yep. one kind of breaks that, and you end up with these two really valuable characters. What uh, I would say in the Rocky series period, especially if, if I I do I so when Rocky with Rocky Four, I I now take the director's cut as canon. Sorry, um, but I I think. <laughs> Of all the Rocky movies, maybe Clubber Lang is the only pure villain? Yeah. I think so. I agree. And, and anyway, Spider-Man. how do you guys like the, the training montage? I, when, when Rocky knows that it's time to dig deep, he takes you out in the middle of either a frozen planet Hoth or he takes you into the Death Valley. <laughs> Punching tires. <laughs> oh, man. I think I'd, Break I'd out rather the have the sledgehammer. Yeah, I'd rather take that workout in the frozen tundra, to be honest with you. But or to have the seven foot, four hundred pound guy just wailing away at you hours <laughs> at a time. Yeah. <laughs> your training is this four hundred pound guy just punching you in the ribs at where yeah. you where you ruptured your spleen a few months ago. Now, <laughs> so so to your point earlier, Roy, my question for you is, if they had been able to write. I mean, not to say that there is some, that the writing is not bad, but if you can write Adrian like they wrote Bianca, how much better are the Rocky movies? Well, I think they're better. I still love Adrian's character. and I, I do think, too, I but think, I mean, like if you can write yeah. her character like, because that's what I think, because you brought up the point that the movie gets kind of slow. 
Well, and no, I, no, but in a good way. I think exactly. it, it slows it down just perfectly. It's it's perfectly paced. I totally agree with you. And I'm wondering if those if if we could do that to the Rocky movies in hindsight, how much more enjoyable they would have been. Right. Well, if you're if you're talking about like a George Lucas style going back and re CGIing them, um, then yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> but but no, so I I mean I think Talia Shared does an enormous amount with what she's given, and exactly. I think just in the '70s, maybe I I just think that people didn't care as much to develop the the characters, right? Yeah. Um, and, and not all spe- not only that, but specifically the female characters. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. You know, I I you know. And and that's why I think that the Creed movies are so superior to the Rocky movies in general. I mean, we'll see with Creed three if that continues to be the case. But it just takes every single thing that I don't like about the Rocky films, even though I think they are great films, and it fixes them. Mm. And uh, you know, in in this like. Bianca and Marianne Creed are maybe more interesting characters than Adonis, if not more interesting, at least as interesting and as developed. So I love the end. Did you do? I had to. You have to throw on the subtitles to see what Marianne says to her son after he wins, and he's like on his knees, hanging onto the rope. Mm -hmm. But she just tells him, "You did good, right." (laughs) Yep. And it's a it's a great moment, and and you can't really hear what he tells her either. But he's basically reassuring her, his mom, that he's okay. He says, "I'm good, mom. I'm good." Anyway, it's and I I love I love Felicia Rashad. I love uh, uh, why can't I think of the Tess? What's her name? Tessa Thompson. Yeah, Tessa Thompson. Yeah, they're both great. So this has been for a movie that does a much better job of developing the female characters. This has been a podcast where ninety eight percent of it has been the men talking. Yes, it is. So? Oh, but you're also pretty. Oh, thank you. Pretty pretty Roy Fillmore, yeah. (laughs) His actual boxing name. Well done, Brooke. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's to the point now where a few years ago I was presentable Roy Fillmore, and now I'm just ugly Roy. (laughs) That's pretty Rico. You had said, Andy, um, how great Drago was in this film. And somehow I expected that to mean he was just going to be like full on villain. Um, and even even at the beginning when he was sort of played as the villain a little bit, he really wasn't like, look, he, he killed Apollo Creed. So I still don't like the dude. But oh, yeah, no, he. So I don't think he redeemed himself completely, but he they put him on that path, that redemption arc. And it wasn't quite what I was expecting, which is good because I feel like a lot of these movies are pretty predictable, you know, and um, that it surprised me that I liked what he did at the end. I don't like him necessarily, but I can appreciate that he chose his son over you know glory or or regaining his glory or regaining some stature within society um he realized what was really worthwhile and i just thought that was amazing how they took someone who we haven't liked for quite a while in this franchise and made him more believable and multi-dimensional 
it, I really enjoyed that part of the story and I completely didn't expect it at all. Yeah. If you would have told me I would come out of this being like Apollo or not Apollo Creed, Ivan Drago, good guy. I'd be like, eh, I don't think so. Yeah. But like, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't take me wrong. I don't think good guy, like improving guy yeah. is maybe the best we can say. But I but think yeah. it's such an important nuance because they could have done this movie cheaply and just had him play a pure heel, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but he, I don't think his character deserved that. And and so I love the way they treated it. I, I, I loved it. And even just like explaining why he kind of is the way he is or why he's pushing his son so hard right now because he's endured 30 years of humiliation and yeah. and whatever. But I man, I love it. I love Drago's arc in this film. Yeah, well, and, and that was my take way back in, in Rocky Four too. I'm like, he's not a purely bad guy. He's a he's a pretty bad guy caught in a really bad system. And here he he bucks the system. And that's uh that's good. So Well then it's I think like they them. do oh, oh, go sorry, ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I feel like they do some really beautiful things with the characters as well. Like they, even in the dinner at the dinner party, they show like, he still looks just a little disheveled and like the weight of what he's been carrying for 30 years. Um, and, and the same on his son, like even at their quote unquote fanciest, they're still showing the heaviness of what those characters, like they don't put them in the tuxedos and have them looking like James Bond or do the things that they, they could have easily done had they not taken into account the character's true arc and, and where they were coming and going from um, up until the end when, when he embraces Victor and, and just holds him in this way that is so paternal and, think- and compassionate. And I, I really like that they show all of that. Yeah. I think that dinner party is kind of a turning point in the film for how we see the Dragos, right? Absolutely. Because up until then, he kind of really is just playing the role of villain. And then we have that dinner party, which is such an important scene. And you realize, oh, this isn't, you know, this isn't how they're playing these characters. There's more going on here. And and I so I, I that dinner scene, I love it such a small scene and you can be dismissed but i think it's pivotal in this film yeah that's my my second favorite uh scene in the movie the two dinners are my favorite in, in the movie about boxing i like the the dinner with marianne and the dinner with the drop oh man that moment movies. when when she like takes the drink of wine and then she spits it back out <laughs> That's uh, pretty great. Best really line like... is every single look Felicia Rashad just gives at Tessa Thompson in that scene. No, <laughs> no dialogue. She just a look. It's wonderful. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Brooke. No, oh, it's fine. I was just gonna say I really liked um, when Ivan shows up to the restaurant too. I mean, I think oh. that conversation is really pivotal. The way that he he points out that there's no pictures of him and is talking about the way they treat stray dogs and what they have gone through. And, and, and there's, there's just something so poignant about how hurt he is about still having lost his wife and, and the way that they refer to her as she like between 
Ivan and Victor. And um, I, I don't know, I, I felt like they were humanizing him a lot from the very beginning of, like, if we were watching this from the other point of view, we wouldn't yeah. have seen them as villains. We would have seen them as people who had everything to lose and lost it and kept trying and fighting through one of the, the worst societies that they could possibly have been put through that way. And I, I felt like that was really important. And it gives that context of like, don't fight this guy because he's fighting, you know, to, he's fighting all of this oppression and rejection and hurt. And you're just fighting to keep your belt. Yeah, right? He and has it's, nothing to lose. Yeah, that's such a great scene for that, too. Like you said, Brooke, it's I wouldn't fight him. There's no way you watch him walk into that restaurant. You're like, yeah, let's not. Let's not do this. <laughs> yeah. so, so I, I love like, that. either one of them with that beard that that um, Dolph Lundgren had. Like, shave that. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I love what that scene says about Rocky, too, because you, you got to think that for fans of Rocky Balboa in this universe where Rocky is real, that the that the Drago Rocky fight's got to be one of the most famous in history, right? But he doesn't hang up pictures of that fight. He doesn't want to be reminded of that fight, or maybe that fight is too important. It's I don't I don't know what is it so important and sacred to him that he doesn't want to glorify it on his walls, or is it just something that he that is so painful to remember and think of that he won't he doesn't want the reminders. But either way, like Rocky doesn't want to be reminded of that fight. And that's, that's an interesting insight into Rocky. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I, I think it's definitely, it's too painful because as he's talking to Adonis about like why he had to take the fight and the, um, the shame and the regret he feels both that he was supposed to be the one to fight Drago, not Apollo, and that he didn't throw in the towel. And so he had to go and fight him, um, you know, to try and make things right because, you know, that was the man that killed his best friend. And, Mm -hmm. but all of that is still wrapped up in that shame. And he says like, (laughs) he broke things in him that never got fixed. That's like, yeah, we, we know, (laughs) but um, I, I think that is, that's telling like, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't want to dwell on those things like but the at least the fights with with Apollo were honorable and uh, you know even the fights with with Thunderlips or Clubber Lang had uh, had value yeah you don't see it but i guarantee you covering an entire wall in that restaurant is thunderlips there's got to be a thunder somewhere in there absolutely and the, and the key to clubber lang's apartment where you could go anytime you want if you're a lady <laughs> come on over anytime anytime Open yeah, that, yeah that that is interesting this whole movie is so good at it's like you said right it and, and brooke it fills in the gaps of the characters that we didn't have in rocky and adds this whole new dimension of you know, another generation of, of characters we want to see continue. So it's really well done in that regard. And, and like you said, Roy, there's even the slow parts are just exceptional for, for all of these. Andy, I, I'm, I'm going to say something and I don't want you to laugh, but this film is very Empire Strikes Back. 
I'm not laughing and I'm I'm nodding my head in agreement. <laughs> because if you it's got a similar vibe like it's it's I see I think this one is the the best movie because it follows that similar it's a ton of character build. It's it's bookended by a lot of excitement, but it really does a lot in the middle um to make you to build on all these characters in this situation and and you've all hit on them really well but that's what i kept thinking of when i was watching it i'm like gosh this reminds me of empire in that regard so anyway yeah other than the, other than the down ending i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know so if if tessa thompson had been frozen in carbonite and taken off <laughs> to russia then you know you call it scruffy looking <laughs> yeah so did you guys catch the detail about why the Mustang is so important to Adonis? Yeah, I loved that. That was I only great. caught it this time around. I had to like throw the subtitles on. I'm like, what are they saying? Because my hearing is going to apparently. Oh no. I but, well, I had completely forgotten that about it from the first movie that that he he threw down his Mustang to anyone who would fight him uh at, at Duke's. So it's more than that. That Mustang belonged to his father. It's the only thing that he uh, that was passed down to him from Apollo. Oh, oh wow! How did I miss that too? Because because you wow. didn't have the subtitles on, and it's really hard to tell what they're saying in front of the cheesesteak restaurant. <laughs> I love that part about it. Yeah. That's awesome. But yeah, can I just say one one of my other favorite parts is having her do the song for him to walk out to yes. was brilliant. What a great scene. Cause not only is it a great song, but it's such a cool part of that relationship. And Roy, I would have loved an Adrian ballad in like Rocky three, like singing it right at Clubber Lang. Like I got me a real man or something. Anyway. No, I would no. hope she would seem like super freak as Rocky. <laughs> towards the but so, so Tess also wears the Adrian uh, callback beret during a lot of the movie, which I think is cute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, there was, man, there was something else I was going to mention. Ah, oh, well, whatever. But it, I love that. I love that whole, the relationships of these characters oh, yeah. in the boxing ring is so great. Um, and it's great to see Duke Jr. Oh, like I love how wonderful. they keep bringing the people back into it. Like it's so great that they do that. So if I only also, was fighting. One of the notes that I had that I really liked, and I assumed Kit would be on here to speak to it, but they're not here yet, um, was after uh, Amara is born, when Rocky is talking to him, and he's like, "What are you going to do if it's not okay?" And, and that, that dialogue between the two of them, um, I think is really important because there's a lot of emphasis being put on how they don't want this thing to be happening, even though it's, it's a part of their life already. And, and I just, I really loved how Rocky looks at him and goes, she's not feeling sorry for herself and you shouldn't be either. Like yeah. you need to, you need to know how you're going to show up for this and and love like this is kids don't inherently just feel bad for themselves like it's not having had had people who are part of the deaf community in different communities they there's a really big emphasis being put on how they wouldn't change their circumstances and yeah. and i like that they speak towards that um 
I just thought that was really cool. I love the whole the whole thing with him and the when she goes out to go to the studio and, and he's left home with the baby mm-hmm. and like as, as soon as she leaves the baby starts crying which that whatever that's your joke right um, I mean we've all we've been there but um, I've been but, there yes definitely yeah. but but I I love that because um, you know being alone with the kid when mom's gone it it feels a little bit like flying without a safety net. Um, and then having the kid like just scream and, and whatever. Right. And I, I had an uncle who, um, reminded me when I first started having like my, my first kid, he's like, Hey, there's going to be a time where your baby is going to scream at you and it won't be hungry and it won't have a dirty diaper. And you have to remind yourself that the baby's not trying to do something to you. Right. <laughs> the baby's not taking something out on you. It's got nothing to do with you. Um, but I, I think those moments where you learn how to, soothe your child and you learn how to get through those tough sleepless uh, moments are so important for uh the the bond that you form right and and i love watching that scene with him and and his baby and i also noticed that he took her for a drive because when the baby doesn't stop crying sometimes you throw him in the car (laughs) car is does wonders that was like my number one parenting thing it's like okay kids crying uh go for a drive oh and i think it says a lot about him and the relationship that he's he's building there that when she gets um home and and lays down next to him she goes how does it go and he says she's a fighter like her dad like i love that he doesn't just break into complaining and Oh, it was so, so hard and I didn't know what to do or I called my mom or like they could have gone so many different ways in that moment and I love the intentionality behind um what he says and how he's like no I got this we're gonna figure this out it was and it you was get to be you you get to have your moments and I get to have mine and yep. we're each gonna have these relationships with our kid well and the way he's just cradling her like on his chest and oh, can't you just feel it? Him. Just Seems watching similar. it, I can feel it. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, I miss that. No. I might have gotten pregnant during that scene, <laughs> just like spontaneously. <laughs> I don't know. Spontaneous pregnancy. Yeah. So that's what's great about becoming a grandpa because you you still get to have those moments, but you know you don't have to start all over again with diapers and. It's even better to not have children and just borrow other people's children because then you've had none of the stress the whole time. So <laughs> then you get to give them back when you're like, yeah. And you yeah. get to make really bad jokes and everybody high fives you. So that's right. Yeah. Or, or you can get paid to work with other yes. people's children because they need a freaking break. Welcome, hey, hey Brooke, now that we have, now that we have Kit, did you want to ask, did you want to, uh, bring your point back in? Well, I'm sure that Kit will, but I just, I really, I was saying earlier, Kit, that I really liked the conversation that Rocky has with Adonis um, in regards to what, how he's going to handle whether or not their baby has hearing. And, and I love the way that he says, you've got to stop feeling sorry for her because she's not feeling sorry for her and just creates a space of, there's, there's nothing wrong here. So get yourself together and move forward with this because you've got a beautiful kid. And I just, I love that. I think there's so many people in the hearing and non-hearing communities that 
wouldn't change their circumstances as far as the people that I know personally and the way that they speak to it. And I think it's beautiful that they brought that into play. Mm -hmm. I, I also think that it was very authentic to Rocky because like he didn't start rattling off resources or act like an authority figure. He's just like, you're going to love your kid. And, you know, like he came from a place of caring and heart rather than like a place of authority. And I feel like that was very true to mm -hmm. their relationship and his character, which I really liked. Yeah. Yeah. Kit, what, how do you like this movie? We've all been gushing about it, so. I love this movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> all right. Sorry. I mean, yeah, I, it's like, these are not, it's not my favorite genre of movie, but I definitely feel like this team kept up with what Kugler's intentions were in Creed 1 in bringing these people to life and representing them as people. And, like, I just, there there were very few characters that I felt were just flat or throwaway. I feel like if they had lines, you, you felt them, and that made me very happy. Yep. Box office and studio notes. This movie was released on uh, Thanksgiving weekend uh, in 2019, uh, and actually uh, set the record for a live action Thanksgiving release opening weekend. Uh, it was released the same weekend as uh, Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet. And oh, there was another movie. Um, but, you know, normally you get your uh, family movies there. Uh, Creed 2 kind of cleaned up. Um, overall made $115.7 million. Uh, there is no adjusted for inflation because 2019 is the last year that they have adjusted inflation to on the numbers in box office mojo. Uh, but it made an additional 97.9 million internationally, uh, including in China. Uh, this was the first uh, Rocky Creed film to be released in China. So... Um, Big ups uh, for that. Uh, so uh, did did extremely well and has continued to do well on on home and uh, other markets in uh, in the meantime. Studio notes. What do we got for studio notes? So I, I will just say, if we're talking Rotten Tomatoes, uh, it's the third highest rated Rocky movie. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yep. People like this movie, yeah. <laughs> as evidenced by by all of us. <laughs> so I I wish I had like an in, insightful studio note. I, I I really love this movie. I think this was movie was done really well. Maybe bring back uh, the ghost of Polly. I don't know. The only studio note that I have, um, was when they go to the training montage out in the desert, I felt like him dragging the hammer on the ground in the dust was a little like a little too cheesy. 
Oh, that was so testosterone-y. I like, like that, that <laughs> moment, like, like him pick pounding sand. Hammer. He, he wouldn't be, he's not going to drag it behind him. He's fucking tough. He's going to carry that fucker out there, and he's going to start hitting the ground. Can I, he will can drag I it behind him. my language here. Can I drag him? He'll drag it behind him if he wants to be freaking awesome. Can I be honest with you? If you've ever swung a, a 15-pound sledgehammer 500 times, you drag it when you take it back. You're not going to yeah. pick anything up ever again. But that so. was on the way. That was before he had swung it. That's what we. That's what we assume. I figured it was. It something. felt like a visceral Conan. No, because he's like pick it up and hit it, and th- that's when he starts beating it. Like I just felt like in that moment, he would have had so much ego going into it. He wouldn't have been dragging it from the beginning. That I thought was it just... was totally cool. Like that's that's yeah. how... I see. Yeah. I think it was a visual moment where they were trying to establish that this was a really heavy object. (laughs) And so if he carried it like, you know, the brawny man that he is, and like, I agree with like mentally, I, I would probably expect him to see that too, but him showing that this is heavy, this is hard. And now he didn't just drag it. He has to pound sand with it. It's like, I've never, I thought that just meant running, but <laughs> I think, the, I I think, the, I think the problem, Brooke, is they cut the scene where Victor is eating the sledgehammer <laughs> <laughs> while he's dragging. <laughs> so they, they oh, totally, like, they I, totally wasted that scene. <laughs> it's like Lady and the Tramp, but more yeah, just he and his dad are just <laughs> gnawing on the sledgehammer together. At dinner. <laughs> I so totally the- get why they did it. I just there was this part of my brain, like it just took me out of it for a moment. There was this part oh. of me that was like. They're doing this just for the effect of it, and that's insulting to my intelligence. And I, just and a I, agree. Moment. And I agree, Brooke. I thought but, he had already been using the sledgehammer, and then he dragged it to another part so, of the, the workout place. That's where I was like, yeah, I'd drag it too if I was tired. So here's here's my take. Because it, it's kind of menacing, right? Like if you've got like an axe murderer who's stalking you, and he's taunting you by dragging the axe on the ground, right? And I think he is about to murder that sand. With that hammer. <laughs> so Not I love well. it. I think it's like really, really. Uh, well, that's my only studio note is that part. That part just took me out of the. It like it, it was this reminder of, okay, we're about to go into total bro testosterone here. And like, you better hold on because we're going like, to. It was just it was just this like that. That's my only studio note is that part was just like a little overdone to me. But that's it. I don't have anything else. Brooke's problem is she doesn't like sand. It's coarse and <laughs> I rough. don't. I fucking You're hate the desert. And it gets I'm not going to lie. It gets I hate the desert so much that that moment was like, no, get me the fuck out of here. There's I can't those, handle it. There are those people that love it, right? That like I, I that, that want to live in sand Arizona people? for some reason. But, but my three least favorite states in this country to live in are Arizona, New Mexico, and Nevada. And they all have one awful hot thing in common. My daughter's sand. Sand. You know and just thinking of him, right? like holding that handle after dragging it in the dust and the sand tearing up his hands, like it was too much for me. I think it's my visceral reaction to the desert. I so think the problem is where you get sand when you work out. Like you're just getting everywhere. sand out of everywhere. Yeah, that's why I don't like. That's why I would go with the snow, like you said, Roy. I would rather be on Hoth working out because the snow is way easier to deal with. So I'm one of those nerds that a few years ago got really into running. I don't know if you guys have heard of the book born to run. Yay. Barefoot. 
Yeah. Oh. Okay. So there's a part in that book where there's this runner who's an ultra marathoner and he decides he, he lives in Washington where the weather is pretty cool. And he just decides, well, you know what? I'm going to do an ultra marathon in Death Valley. And like a third of the, a third of the way into it, he's just on the ground because he can't even move nice. anymore, right? Like he's almost dead. <laughs> and, but then he, he has this, this mental process going on where he's like, what would I have to do to win this race? He said, well, I'd have to run the fastest 80 miles I've ever run in my life. And he gets up and he freaking does it. <laughs> and so there's just something about beating the heat. Cause I think you can bundle up against the cold but there is nothing you can do about the heat except endure it and so i, I kind of really love it i love that you brought that up roy because i was literally just talking about that that today at work one of my friends brought that up we we've all become like running partners and i hate it i've not like in the last two years of running there's not one time when i get up and i'm like i'm so excited for this run or like <laughs> after the run where i'm like i'm so glad i did that like i think i'm just a really inherently lazy person that make like i never get that runner's high i always hate it and she's like i'm really inspired by marathon runners and she was or ultra ultra uh marathoners and and she was talking about that story and i was like there's nothing about that that inspires me nothing about it like it just makes me realize that i will always be unaccomplished i will always hate the desert i will always hate running and i'm going to be a failure the rest of my life so it's, so it's funny because different reactions. <laughs> if, the, if the thermometer says 80 i'm running indoors like it's, i just can't handle the heat but um, I will say the the one time when I found the desert to be absolutely beautiful is I was driving from New Mexico to Utah in the winter and those red rocks covered in snow that that was just gorgeous. That's pretty. So it took snow to make the desert look pretty to me. So yeah. Uh, I, That's fair. I just I would like to thank Kit for picking up on my Star Wars reference and everybody else just blew past it to like talk about Oh Andy how I they got actually it. okay. <laughs> yeah. They just didn't want to play with wanna, us. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, other studio um, notes. I can, I, I have a of question. Course. Do we want to talk about boring science or skip it? Talk about boring science. I don't know. There is, is the no boring world boring of science, Niels Bohr. Okay. So I was a kinesiology major and I'm like trying to kind of piece this together from what I remember from school. And like I watched Creed one with my partner John before we watched Creed two with my dad, which was a little awkward. But um, the science of mental toughness is kind of like what you guys are talking about. Where John asked me, he's like, "Why would you wear like an N95 while you're running?" And because I was thinking about it, and I was like, "Well, you could, you're having slightly less oxygen." You could probably increase your like ejection fraction just slightly, but I was like, really, it's going to come down to a thing in, that we call mental toughness in, in, I don't know, sports, sports ball. In kinesiology, it was a term that we talked about a lot. Sports ball was um, a term because, you like, used in kinesiology? No, sports ball was not oh, a term okay. that we used in kinesiology. That is what I use on the internet. Okay. Um, but mental toughness was, uh, and like, also just like there are some things that you just can't physically clear from your body like the thing that makes you sore is lactic acid and if you don't have enough oxygen you can't clear it so you just get more and more and more sore which is like being around sand but inside your muscles because there is a point where your muscles 
in their growth will start to literally explode or the cells will start to explode. Not the whole muscle, just the cell. Um, and that's how you get more, more cells um, and more muscle mass. But it hurts because you're literally breaking yourself to make yourself. Um, so that whole like pain is, is weakness leaving the body is not quite true. <laughs> But in science, the science basically backs up that pain is you doing intentional damage to your body in order to try to make it stronger. And so, I don't know. I, I have, I, I'm with Brooke, whereas like, that does not inspire me. I, I'm more of a Gabriel Iglesias sort of person where it's like, oh, you know I'm drunk if I'm like, woo, I'm going running. Um, but not so much this. Uh, JB or anybody else who, who talks about science, do you guys want to talk about mental toughness or lactic acid clearance or other weird crap like that? Science. Science. And you guys can cut that out if it's just boring. Or it's awesome. It's not yeah. boring. Uh, okay. That's all right. And then. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I, and the other thing I would like to say is I liked how this movie kind of addressed disability also in the terms of trauma and hearing loss in that it showed that, you know, bad shit happening and how you handle it can affect like how severe your trauma is. Good job. Um, and then the fact that you have a character with a visible, invisible disability makes me happy. Just, you know, yay, yay guys for representation mattering. Can I ask a question? Yarn. Can we take a five-minute comfort break? Uh, because yes. I, I don't, I don't want to be done, but I need to take a short break. So you guys can keep jibbing <laughs> jabbing, but uh, I'll be back okay. in five minutes. Okay. Are you going to the apartment with your lady, Roy Lang? I'm, I'm going to the back seat of my car. And tell uh, the boss I won't be back for ten minutes. Ten minutes. <laughs> He's gonna fix that light. How, how much does it <laughs> take sure to you, turn the light sure you, yeah, drag your sledgehammer. Okay, well, I can I can give my studio note while Roy's here that might be embarrassing for him. So, um, if if people want me to do that, yeah, do um, it. Okay, go for it. So, uh, in the final fight, uh, there is another Russian mistranslation. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Where uh, <laughs> Ivan yells at Victor, "Konchayevo." Finish him. Well, you know, um, <laughs> that's, that's also said. the verb that you use to talk about finishing. Oh. So if I say I'm that's go out and finish said. him, uh, it's like <laughs> taking off your boxing gloves and giving the round a happy ending. Nice. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, you that know. would have been a very different movie. Yes. Um, it, so it's like, it's like, it's like, it's technically acceptable Russian. It's perfectly fine Russian. But if you are, if you have it all a dirty mind, um, that is finish him in a completely different way. I and would really you, like to see the parody <laughs> where they actually do that. Uh, normally, what you would say is Zakonchayevo. You add the za to the beginning, which is just a little, you know, 
uh, a little preverb to to just mean uh, to finish finishing him off. So it doesn't mean you know <laughs> that it actually means to finish. So yes, uh, there were some other little mistranslations, but that one that one made me laugh. I'm like. I'm glad we had this. I'm glad we had yeah, I'm glad we had this chat, everyone. Thanks, thanks for coming to Andy's yeah. TED Talk. You're very welcome. Everyone, grab a warm <laughs> towel from the bass and and let's go. <laughs> well, it's like in German, where if you say like the verb is liebe or to love, you say ich liebe dich is the way that everyone teaches you to to respond to like I love you, ich liebe dich auch, I love you too. But really, what you're saying is, I want to love you, ah. and and it, you would not say that to your children or to a friend or to a, like someone leaving and passing. It's a totally different setup for for how you would say that. Unless you're sending a lollipop gram at Timfew High School in the nineties. <laughs> well, maybe especially if that's what you're doing. Wow. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think that, <laughs> that's that actually maybe. the proper context. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, sorry, to, sorry to whichever guy I sent that to that Lollipop might have made him kill. uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> wow German well right, just in time language of yeah, I, I only needed two minutes in the backseat of the car so we're good okay. <laughs> well, speaking we're, of we're what done. we were just talking about well done Roy <laughs> which, is, which is kind of appropriate since that's how yeah. Andy and I knew each other Wizard of Oz not the back of the Not car. The of the that car. went the wrong way. Wow. <laughs> it was a couch and the Sierra. That was the best studio note I've ever had on this podcast. Oh, I love it. Thank you. I feel you. like we've lost wonderful. Melissa for a while. We haven't, I haven't seen any lines on her on her voice she, either. Yeah. I'm she's here. just shaking her head at us. <laughs> yeah, that's legit. Melissa, this is why she's the rich. This Silent is what she's judging. the returning champ because she doesn't have these weird Tiffy stories like we do. She... <laughs> Sorry. She's she's a resident non-Newton, non-Mormon. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 you know, sometimes I'm a little, uh, I'm just quiet because I'm just listening to y'all and thinking, wow, I, growing up, I never thought there was anything worse than Catholicism. And... <laughs> 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 yeah. I can't welcome. remember which Terry Pratchett book is like your religion really messes people up and it's just yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the crusade. That's all you in, a, in a cultural way. I mean, seriously. I, and actually it's funny because recently I've been talking to a friend who's um sort of in the same boat as me and um in terms of like faith and in, in institutions like the church and faith in just God, you know, and the difference. And, um, you know, his mom is really sick, unfortunately, right now. And he's like, you know, I pray, but I don't know if I should go to church or, you know, it, it's crazy how these things come back to you, you know, but I actually enjoy listening to you guys' stories. Um, I mean, some of them are funny, some of them are sad, you know, but, but I still learn something from them. So when I'm being quiet, I'm just listening. Uh, but do you, do you have any other studio notes? Yeah, for this did we movie? miss any of the, the ones that you had, Melissa? Yeah, so we talked about this last week, right? About how we wanted to see if, if Adonis had a relationship with any of his half-siblings. 
And they had like a family dinner, but it was just the three of them. I mean, where are these children? Vancouver. <laughs> no, that's the other. That's the other family. Well, I mean, their their name is Alberta, and they live in. Vancouver. He buried them in the fucking desert. Wow. Oh. Dang. Got harsh. But seriously, does he have a relationship? I mean, they are his his siblings, you know. Yeah, I feel like they got retconned out of this. Yeah, whole it's like series. they don't exist or something, unless they show up in the next one. But that's kind of lazy. Well, you know? none of them were boxers, and so the family's ashamed of them. Oh, that must yeah. be. Yep. They're just like something lame, yeah. like doctors or something. They're probably. I would no. bet they're because weren't they all in the financial industry? So they because we were talking about that, right, Andy? There, someone had to keep the creed financing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So. I would guess they would probably also be. Yeah, they're all like bankers and related. lawyers and yeah. stuff like that. Probably because that was a pretty nice gravestone, and she got a nice house for someone who hasn't fought for thirty years. Financial well, didn't have it. Probably doing small club stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't want to. I There's wouldn't like want to fight one... Alicia for Alicia Rashad. So. Neither would I. One black sheep that does marketing, like the commercials that you see Apollo Creed watching. Because those were really formative for for him slash her. Uh, I have I do have one more studio note, unless anybody else has another one. Um, I I've been meaning to say this for the last four movies, and I keep forgetting to bring it up in studio notes. But I am so sick of Michael Buffer. I do not want to be asked anymore whether or not I am ready to rumble. Yeah, I, I don't just, understand. Don't how he care. made his way into Rocky lore. I don't. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's so discordant. It's, I don't know. It's weird. I don't like it either. I think they uh, needed a buffer between scenes. Can they, keep, can they keep using that, that same guy with the uh, sideburn mustache? <laughs> that would be, That'd be fine. What's just... Frank Stallone doing? Why can't he do it? Yeah. Oh, I'd take Frank Stallone in a. Instant. Yeah. He's a good hype man. I don't, I just, I don't need, it's gilding the lily. I don't need to be asked if I'm ready to rumble or not before one of these fights. It's like, what, what is this? I get. I, I, I just don't know if it's factually accurate. Like if it's accurate, then it's like the zeitgeist. Yeah. I mean, it is, you know, he gets paid millions of dollars because he trademarked that phrase and he's the only one who's allowed to use it in sporting events. Oh, so that's unfortunate. Yes. Uh, so and and so he gets paid a lot of money to do that. I'm sure he got paid a lot of money to be in these movies. Yeah, you could and... probably get paid less. You can be the bargain person who get who says, "Let's prepare to bungle," or like, and... "Who wants to see some boxing?" <laughs> who, or, yeah. you know, it's like, this. Fist fighting time. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's fist fighting time. JB, I think we should take the money from the Patreon and hire someone to just follow Andy around so that every time he goes to the bathroom, they say, let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> Whoa. No. Right, be- if he, right before he eats, yes. it's, it's, a, it's an homage to his hungry stomach. <laughs> Poor Andy. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Andy. I don't mean it. No, no, no. That's, sadly, that's funny. Sadly, like Michael, sadly, Michael Buffer is now doing crumble cookies. 
So every crumble cookie we have, let's get ready to crumble. You're like, I'm going to punch that dude. Only he cries at the end. Through a milk chocolate chip cookie. Do you know what the worst thing that he's done is? He is in the Tim Burton remake of Dumbo. And asks the crowd at the circus in act three of that movie, Mm -hmm. let's get ready to Dumbo. Oh, stop it. I hated it. I hated it. That's the worst. Horrible yes. remake. You did us dirty. Studio note, we don't bring that up ever yeah. again. Yeah. Agreed. No. That's terrible. So dirty. yeah, I'm done with Michael. Well, I was done with Michael Buffer and Rocky Five. And I just every movie I forget to bring it up is like it's okay anyway. for him to be in Rocky Five because what it's okay. I'm not movie? gonna start I'm not gonna start a new fight, so we're done. I'm <laughs> you want a rumble? You no, want a rumble, Roy? He belongs in Rocky Five, and it fits just fine because it, it's <laughs> he fits right in. So I mean. let's prepare for verbal fisticuffs. I think he should have been in the simulation. That might have been better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I guess yeah. Okay, in the Rocky movies, uh, by the Creed movies, I'm just like, why, why are we doing this? Okay. Any other studio notes? Okay. Have we talked about pregnant Brigitte yet? Oh yeah, she was pregnant. She was seven months pregnant. We haven't talked about. Yeah, that. they had to film her from like the neck up or whatever. Yeah, they felt apparently Brigitte was was seven months pregnant during filming, and they tried to conceal it. And I just feel like it would have played on Victor's trauma even more yeah. if they had emphasized that she was oh, pregnant. Oh, one hundred percent. Like oh, if her husband, had, if her husband had repeatedly like stroked and kissed her belly. <laughs> yeah, or and like she kissed somebody, you know, his hand, because it's like they both got up and walked away, and he was real messed up about it. But I was like, you know, it would really mess. I got really mad when my mom got a new dog because yeah. I felt I replaced. Think, like, I can't imagine if it was a sibling 20 something years later. I think later. when she comes to the dinner table, she should have looked directly at Ivan and said, Look at me. I'm having another baby and it's not yours and I care about it more. And then Flavor Flav runs out. <laughs> <laughs> like, Flavor of Love! Wah! And then he runs out and then everyone. Flavor <laughs> party. <laughs> Yeah, okay. you could have so Flavor Flame say, let's prepare to Fisty Cuffs. <laughs> yeah, sure. That would be fun. So finish him. <laughs> yeah, finish him. Contrayable. <laughs> Flavor Flame is going to finish you. I feel, like, I feel like we just made the National Lampoon version of this movie. So well done, everyone. Awesome. Okay. Uh, best one-liners are quotes. There's some good dialogue in this movie. There is. So the the whole scene where he proposes and then she doesn't hear a thing and then she says what did you say and he said nothing you don't already know and then she says you know go ahead and tell me anyway I I do love that that whole dialogue it's it's touching but I mean my favorite's got to be the one we've already mentioned when when uh, Ivan reassures his son and says uh, either it's okay or it's good and yeah. I just love that part. I, I like all of the quotes in the first five minutes, especially her signing, did you take a shit yet to him? I thought that was yes, so good. That, is, that was my so very good. favorite. Yeah. I was like, that is such, like to come out of the gate with that was the sign that this was going to be an incredible movie. And I, I love that. And then I loved obviously Rocky's speeches, who are you doing it for? Right. But I'm with you, Kit. That just, I was rolling in the theater when I watched this. 
especially when she because she signed yeah. it it's like oh no, you didn't know even one little bit of sign language you knew exactly what she was hey, signing. totally <laughs> anyway that was my favorite yeah i i think it's uh in terms of passing the bar or passing the torch um rocky when he says there's only three steps into that ring just three tonight it's going to look as high as a mountain when you climb through them ropes it's going to be the loneliest place in the world because you're going to be in there with another fighter who wants to take you out so now you got to ask yourself are you here to prove something to other people or to prove something to yourself um and then and then at the very end at the, before the final fight uh he he asks him how the how the steps look and uh, that that was just a nice way to to bring it all together i i thought that was a a good personal journey and also all of marianne creed's furtive glances at at uh bianca over dinner the glowing skin the shiny hair salt yep yep she knows mama creed knows anything else any other lines people liked i liked it when um rocky said it's your time and then he just sort of backed up and didn't go in the ring and like that whole sequence was great you know we we see the fedora we see him take it off like he's you know world weary but he's finished and then we just see his like shadow you know um or his outline i guess you should say it that was like perfect you know um because it is his time and that's obviously him saying goodbye to the franchise which like we said earlier it's about time you know um they don't need him in this franchise anymore yep they really don't yep it's the full torch pass and then he uh goes to vancouver to go see baby milo All right. Anything else? Favorite song? Did you guys do your favorite song? We haven't done favorite songs yet. That's uh, best side character though. First. Oh yeah. Well, I'm yeah. just gonna say the Dragos. I, I I originally had written down Victor, but if I had to choose one, I'd say Ivan. Ivan Drago, but they're both both the father and son are great characters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's my pick as well. Uh, I'll go with. Duke Jr. because uh, I he's fun. I really liked Marianne Creed. Yeah, and that they gave her a little bit more to do. All right, uh, best song. Well, it's the Training in the Desert montage song. It's called "Runnin'" by Runnin'. Mike Will made it ASAP Rocky, ASAP Ferg, and Nicki Minaj. Yep. I actually like the one they do right before that, the You Might Find Me, oh. the the one that leads into the training montage when he's walking to the ring. Uh, I like that little minute-long snippet. Which one is the dragging the sledgehammer? Um... I think that's that one, that okay. You Will Find Me. Yeah. You Will Drag the Sledgehammer. You Will Drag this. I just, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm with Roy. I like the, I like the ASAP Rocky one because they bring in um, the... They bring in the 
the fighting theme from uh you know from the original score yeah and i think that's i think that's perfect great way to make it all work together any anyone else okay is this a good movie it's a great movie it is an exceptional movie yep yeah. yep and is the main character Adonis Creed a good person? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Learning lots. Is there a bad character in this besides Brigitte? <laughs> Brigitte's uh, husband? I don't know. Brigitte's geez. baby? <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of Vladimir Putin, who there is definitely go. in that uh definitely in that stadium. Um should we show this to children? Some of the boxing is fairly brutal. Yeah. In this film, this is, this, I mean, so I, we didn't, I mean, we didn't really talk about this, but the boxing is filmed really well and it looks very realistic. Um, and of course in that first fight, Adonis suffers not just a ruptured kidney and broken ribs, but also a cracked orbital bone. So I mean, there's some vicious blows, um, but uh, I'm a bad parent. So yeah. I feel like I would have said no, but then this weekend I showed my daughter Megan, and so now I have no. Oh yeah, all bets are off for you. Yeah, you got to turn in your card, I think, after my, that. You know, I, yeah, I. Yeah, I think it depends on your on you and your kid, because like watching this with my parent, uh, you know, the sex scene was kind of awkward, and I I don't know how I would feel watching something that had a you know a steamy makeout session with a child. Oh, so I, I don't really have children anymore. They're like teenagers. But when we get to that part, I say they love each other very much. And I, and I press the plus 10 second button twice and we're good. I feel like I'd rather watch this with the teenager than with Kit's parents. I, <laughs> I, would, I would rather watch this with my children than my parents. Yeah. I, I think I would rather watch it with anybody's children than Kit's parents. Or actually, so, I, I wouldn't mind watching this with, with our mom. Uh, dad. Oh yeah. Your mom. Know. Yeah. Yeah. My mom would be meant the other parents. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That would be so, super awkward. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm sorry, Kit, that, that you had to watch this fine. Film. I would totally watch this movie with your mom and I would freeze frame it on that part and go, tell me a story. <laughs> you just want to make my mom feel comfortable. Oh, your mom's so good. I just I was just like taking deep breaths oh. and like, you know what? This is the per- this is the uh, this is the parent that when I was so squeamish and asked to like change the channel from a Madonna video was like no this is art your it's mom fine. is the best and I'm like she is uh, yeah. one of the best oh I was talking about my, sorry I was talking oh. about my dad <laughs> like the watching the Madonna video and calling it art <laughs> my mom she like maybe she was more about that like having the talk with the boys but we never had the talk oh interesting. Like, yeah, <laughs> mom never talked to us about any of that. Uh, no, I'm I'm frankly surprised that our father would watch a movie with black people in it. Oh, wow. I didn't just say that. Wow. What? <laughs> Edit. Um, funny story. I was watching Creed two, and the eleven year old came in, and she's like, "Hey, that's Valkyrie," and "Hey, that's the guy yeah. from Black Panther." So I think oh. I think you should show it because they already have the recognition of how great these characters are, you know, these actors and actresses are. Um, I was disappointed that no one said that's, uh, you know, Hux, Mrs. Huxtable. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I mean this this is a this is a very well casted and acted movie, and I think if you did show it to kids, they would probably lean in more of the these are people I recognize. And it was funny too because she she's like, "Who's his coach?" I was like, "Oh, that's Sylvester Stallone." She goes, "What was he in?" And I listed you know the first thirty movies that come to mind. She's like, "I don't know any of those, so I don't know where Stallone is in the teenage mindset anymore." Yeah, I went. He was in Rocky. Rocky Rambo, Oscar. Uh, I mean, I was listening to mom. My mom will shoot. Yeah, that's probably why. Then your mom? I probably should have said Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd, the one with Rob Schneider. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think uh, to answer your question, I would I would show it to Kit's mom. I would also (laughs) show it to kids. So the the comment, Kit, that you made about your dad and Madonna, that's so fascinating because Uh I learned today that Lucky Star, do you know who wrote that? Kit. Wasn't it Prince? Oh, no. Kit's dad? No, No, it was Nile Rodgers. Really? From the band Chic. Yeah. Who also co-wrote... Or, or at least produced a lot of Duran Duran. Did a lot of Duran Duran. Yeah. And has written yeah. some recent Adam Lambert songs, I think, too. So still still funky. And yeah. uh, So Ma- major... early Madonna was pretty much funk. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was black music sung by Madonna. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, we culturally co-opted. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry. But, well... <laughs> I don't know. As as long as as long as uh, he's getting paid, then I don't know if it's co-opting. So, yeah, uh, he's he's done well for himself, including uh, helping produce the best album of ten years ago, Random Access Memories. Is, yeah. Good point. Anyway, Nile Rodgers uh, Hall of Fame. Amazing. Show anything Nile Nile from Nile Rodgers to kids. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, that I think that's it for Creed two. Uh, oh, okay, man. we're gonna watch Creed three this week. Yeah, we can't, we can't watch. I'm, I'm either gonna go Friday or Saturday or both. Yeah, see, I, I don't know. I'm gonna if if I'm if I'm able to swing it, take uh take Friday afternoon off from work. And yeah. check it out. We got Girl Scout Winter Camp this weekend, so I'm gonna have to wait and see it on Sunday. All right. Hey, you guys! I'm gonna be sad when this is all over. Thanks yep. for thanks for putting up with me. Oh, we've loved having you here. Um, and everybody, bring your rankings of your favorite uh, of your favorite Rocky movies, your favorite fights from the franchise, and for Spider-Man. everyone, everyone but Roy, uh, also bring your uh, favorites and least favorites of all of season two. We'll have a little. Oh little tiny retrospective roy, roy you can you, you can say your favorite is um rocky yeah roy if you'd like to do that <laughs> so too, far you can as well, um also favorite montage favorite training montage oh favorite montage sure yes well, i mean, i think we've already i think we've discussed the best is dragging the sledgehammer in the sand so i don't know running up a mountain always a good one i have to think about yeah, that's gonna take some time this is that's like ranking the fights is easy. Ranking the montage is going to be hard. Spider-Man. There's there's no easy way out of that. Oh man, yeah. it's not a training montage, but it. Uh, it yeah. Uh, is okay. Uh, thanks does everybody. He, wait, does he fight any of the Muppets in the Muppet Show? No. Wait. Uh, wait. Well, the yes. punching bag is a Muppet, and he does punch it. So and, can we keep that as one of the best fights? <laughs> 
Well, and there's the the gladiator fight. Is oh I mean, man, oh, that, that was a bad episode of the Muppet Show. This is going in there. I, I, I mean, Spider Rico and Muppet Punch. <laughs> slight, slightly better. Well, no, actually, it's probably slightly worse than the Raquel Welch Muppet Show. But oh, that was bad. Anyway, okay. All right. Okay. So, so we're doing so Monday again. Uh, yes. Everybody can watch it. Okay. Right. Have a have a wonderful Love montage, everybody. Uh, Goodbye, Roy. Throw back your head and kiss it all goodbye. Thank you. That will be all. God damn it! That's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.